The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. Our run is brought to you by Lexus Avon. Uh, and, uh, you know, Robert is one of the people that's participating. The aforementioned Robert Turner. Uh, he's here with us at the studio. Amanda Galbraith, a principal at Navigator and the host of Free for All Fridays on, and she's on Zoom, and Toronto Liar, uh, Kareem Asad. And uh, Karima, you're the only one that hasn't had, I don't think, to, that's been sort of the uh, slave to the clock here in terms of what happens. And uh, so the other two both are familiar with, uh, with the clock. And Robert Turner just looked at me, as you know, Amanda, with just such complete, absolute, <laughs> just total We may have been talking about you off air. Can, can this man did. not tell time? Like, what is I his thought I problem? was hiding it well. What was that? I thought I was hiding it well. Apparently, no, no, I wasn't. You weren't. Oh, are you yeah. kidding? It was just a total look of kind of, you know, how did this man ever get through, you know, high school, let alone law school? Anyway, not to worry. We're all here to talk about uh, the issues of the day. One I was talking about before 7.30 was uh, up uh, at debate at City Council today and for a vote. And that's uh, something I brought forward back when I was mayor and it failed. Uh, the renaming of the stadium in Centennial Park in Etobicoke after the late uh, Mayor Rob Ford. I said I thought it was time that we healed, that we, you know, looked at the positives of his life, which included a lot of coaching of kids, uh, that we understood the fact that he faced a lot of personal demons which a lot of people do, most people, in fact, maybe everybody of one kind or another, and that that led to some behavior that, you know, people didn't approve of and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but that it was time to get on and, and vote this through. Um, I'll start with you, Robert Turner, because we were talking a little bit about it off the air. Um, do you think it is time to do that or should we just abandon this file? Well, I, so, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's appropriate to do it, but I don't know how it makes sense when we're looking at renaming other things, uh, because breaking news, people are complicated. People are make mistakes. People are products of their own time. Um, and if you're going to name something after someone, then they're th- that that's all out there. And Rob Ford had his issues, which some people are going to have a problem with. But I think you can honor what he did that was right, acknowledge what he did that wasn't, and move on. But we don't seem to want to do that with Dundas. We seem to be ready to burn money on something that people had to look up to find out they were offended. And we've talked to his family members here, ancestors of Dundas, who disagree with the interpretation of history. Yeah, I don't know whether that history uh, you know, review that was done uh, as part of the decision, again, of which I was a part uh, was um, as complete. Uh, I've heard a lot of questions of the legitimacy of all that, but um, you know, I think what Robert says, Amanda, is 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 probably right in the sense that you have to pick a time to move on from these kinds of things, and that uh, as much. I mean, I, I said earlier on, Rob Ford had enough um, things that he did. I think as a result of his personal issues, that I chose to run against him for mayor. So I felt strongly enough about the impact of his personal issues, but they were personal issues, which I was never critical of because they're personal issues that a lot of people have as demons in their lives. But, you know, what do you think of what's happening today and how it should be dealt with? I think it's a great, uh, Jonathan, I think it's a really good thing. Um, I think that addiction is a disease. Um, and, you know, I think the way we understand addiction has has changed a lot even since he was mayor. Um, and I think that's important. Uh, I also agree, you know, you may or may not. And there's, I certainly, I worked with you on that election campaign. So I also had objections to how he, he ran the city and I didn't think it was appropriate that he was mayor at the time. But I do think the way he approached um, dealing with the like citizens, taxpayers, um, was a really important kind of reset for how we do politics in this province. I think it's had a lasting impact. I think you see it in his brother, who is now the premier. Um, so I think it's a really appropriate thing. And I actually think it's, it's also kind of a 
amazing that you see candidly the current mayor and you know i know councillor carroll seconded it like just kind of the folks that came up second this motion just tells you that i think the city broadly has moved on um so we should honor him and uh you know and i think this is a good way to do it Karima, uh, you know, I said earlier on, I think this of all the things you could do, and there are people who say you should do nothing. I've heard them saying it. Uh, this is something that's quite suitable, given his volunteer coaching and all this kind of thing. And it's very community focused. It's uh, suitable. But do you agree with that or disagree? Yeah, I, I think that the particular venue they were looking at makes sense in the context of what Rob Ford was known for and, and loved to do. Uh, I agree with Robert on the point of there being an inconsistency while we're looking at renaming some stuff and continuing to name things after people who are flawed. Um, and I, I think that maybe that overall is the thing to revisit. Um, is that the best or the only way to honor someone's memory? I think it comes with a lot of baggage um, and, and not just uh, his personal demons, but it, everyone is flawed. Isn't that uh, the truth? That is the truth. And that's maybe a good note on which to leave this one. And uh, and we'll see what happens uh, later at City Council today. So also in the news today is uh, another policy reversal. In this case, uh, the government of Ontario deciding not to proceed with the dissolution of the Peel region. And, you know, without getting into the merits, although we can, of that itself, I think what's interesting is all this commentary about Doug Ford and how he's got into a habit of reversing himself and changing his mind. And, you know, they'll use that flip-flopping expression. I don't think people care about the flip-flopping stuff. If you end up in the right place. And I think in this instance, people just saw looming, whether it was absolutely true or not, they certainly had the impression that this was going to lead to a big increase in their taxes and that they just were not of a mind to accept that and couldn't afford to accept that at this point in time. Um, do you think uh, th that anybody's going to focus at all on the fact Doug Ford changed his mind or they'll just focus on what the result was? We'll start with you, Amanda. I think... I think that the like I've always felt this way that the narrative around flip flopping I don't think real people care I think people care that you're honest and that you're people change their mind I think politicians can too they just have to be forthcoming about why they're doing it um, you know the government's laid out why they believe they are doing this I do think candidly this is a bit unique in that the optics of a a deathbed promise to a beloved figure in <laughs> in the community um, is challenging. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, the argument about the, the increased taxes, which you can say whether or not, and like, honestly, I, I do feel for the, the people of Mississauga who like do deserve to be their own government, <laughs> but, um, you know, if it's going to increase taxes in the other areas of Peel, um, that's a big political expense for the hit for the government to take. And I can see why they don't want to do it. Karima, is this business of, you know, and look, he's done it for different reasons at different times, uh, sometimes under a bit of pressure and duress because an issue was, you know, going out of control like the Greenbelt. But uh, do you think this business of the change of mind, flip-flop, whatever you want to call it, reversal is uh, any big deal for Doug Ford or any big deal with the people for that matter? I think the real issue is the consistent lack of consultation. So we have a government that seems to want to skip that step that circumvents public consultation. And then when it realizes that actually people do care and do have strong opinions on a particular issue, it reverses course. And so I, I think that that's where the attention and focus should be demanding more transparency and more public participation uh, rather than changing at the last moment. Robert? 
Well, I mean, you're a politician. Ref- Not ref- reformed. Okay. So, you know, you make... <laughs> no, but you, you make announcements... You Hall of Fame earlier yeah. on, so, I mean, I'm aspiring well, to that now. You, you make announcements <laughs> for a reason, right? You want to deliver a message. You want to show your direction. Doug Ford's going to announce today that beer and everything's coming to the corner stores. I think a lot of people are going to hear that and go, well, we'll see, because he does change his mind a lot, and I think there are upsides to it, but at some point, I think it's going to be damaging to his brand, and it will be something that, you know, as Bonnie Crombie tries to establish herself... She She'll be able to attack. She will, although I'll say to you, as long as Doug Ford maintains an authenticity, which includes a willingness, sort of to the point Karima made, to sort of listen to the public and change his mind if something's manifestly unpopular, as long as he, you know, sticks to that authenticity, it'll be challenging for Bonnie Crombie. As you were, you and I were saying earlier off air, it's going to be a very interesting contest uh, between the two of them. You gave me a bit of a segue into something else that's going to be in the news today, 30 years later. I mean, I've been around long enough to have heard this debate going on literally since the 1985 election, which is beer and wine and uh, corner stores. And... Uh, it is something, interestingly enough, it kind of confirms what you're saying, that it, every time it's been announced that somebody was going to do it since 1985, they found a reason to slow it down, back off, do a kind of an incremental measure, because alcohol is so strangely sensitive in this province. But I'll, I'll start, uh, Karima, with you this time. I mean, I think we're to the stage now with beer and wine in grocery stores, with a beer and wine in those agency stores, mostly outside of the city, um, you know, with changed attitudes, with a cannabis store in every corner, where people, I think, are going to be able to deal with this, and it won't be the kind of issue it was 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago in this province where we have very strange attitudes or unusual about alcohol? Yeah, Ontario kind of takes a prohibitionist stance in that respect. Um, But perhaps there is a a culture shift. Um, We will see if it actually manifests. I know that um, some of the grocers um, who were carrying wine ultimately found that it wasn't worthwhile for them. But I think having choice and option um, in this landscape is is overall a good thing. And uh, Robert, how about you? I'm not against it. I mean, you made the point. You can buy pot pretty much every, in every, every corner in the city now. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. This is so restricted. But it's going to be complicated to do. And I wonder how it's going to impact prices. Because if the beer store still exists and they're involved in distribution, I don't know how you're going to, that's going to benefit consumers other than they'll be able to buy it in more places. I want to wonder what it's going to do to prices. Yeah, and I've heard mentioned over time the issue of, uh, you know, does the beer store stick around to keep collecting the bottles? Because that's a huge uh, thing where people have the convenience now. Of, of going to the beer store. Amanda, in years gone by, when this was a stop and start, the beer and wine and corner stores, the two principal concerns expressed about it were kids uh, and, and their access to alcohol more easily uh, and uh, drinking and driving. And that you, if you can pull into a gas station and buy yourself you know, six beer, a six-pack of beer, that you're going to maybe drink it in the front seat and drive uh, you know, while drinking. Do you think those things have receded as points of great concern about this to the point where it's going to be a non-issue? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's silly. Um, people can, there's lots of access to get out. We were Uber eating booze bottles. Like I literally um, Uber eats myself a bottle of Aperol like six months ago to my front door. If people want to get booze, they can get it. They don't need to drive to corner stores to do it. So I think that as a, a concern to me is super outdated. And as far as alcoholics or people drinking and driving, um, you know, whether alcohol is available at grocery stores or corner stores or beer stores, like if folks are going to do bad things, they're going to do bad things. I think the idea of limiting our ability to access products is some strange like nanny state is ridiculous. So it's about time. Um, good for the Ford government. I mean, it's a very complicated, like the master framework agreement that governs this is incredibly complicated. It's in place until the end of 2025. So it'll be interesting to see what they do today. Um, but my guess this is the first step of many. Um, I think it's really smart. I think it'll be politically popular. And I think 
those beer stores, uh, I don't step foot in them. They're the smelly and weird and strange and not designed in any way to attract me as a shopper. So, you know, if you don't want to innovate, then um, at least hopefully the government's going to take you to task for it. This will incur the wrath of some people out there, but it's kind of what happened to the cab industry when you talk about the beer stores. You know, they, they allowed the yep. cabs to become sort of dirty and didn't innovate with technology and so forth. And I will tell you, as we wind up the roundtable, I'm just dying, Amanda, to pursue why it is you had to call Uber Eats, knowing you so well. <laughs> There's got to be a story as to why you needed a bottle of Aperol at that I moment from Uber Eats. spritz at night. Yeah, well, I, yeah. <laughs> I won't ask what time, I won't ask why, I won't ask what Bruno was doing at the time, et cetera, et cetera, little Bruno. Anyway, uh, good to have you all on. Amanda Galbraith, Principal at Navigator, host of Free for All Fridays, Robert Turner, who's right here uh, helping me out this morning, and Kareem Asad, who's a Toronto lawyer. Thanks all very much. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.